Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Puck Talk Live podcast. My name is Logan Rosengard. With me on the call, as always, we got Rafi Sarafian, and we've got Noah Foster. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing well. We've got a great show for you guys today. The vote, the finalists for all the trophies, besides for the heart, are out. I'm excited, actually. I think there are some great names in contention for each of the trophies. Uh, I think we've had, we've already had a lot of the discussions about who should win on the show, but we'll have a couple more because we like you guys. But I'm doing pretty well overall. How about Rob, you, Rob? How, how was your day, Rob? Um, it. I mean, I'm alive, so yep, that's a that's plus. Long day. Hockey, hockey's that's back good. soon, so. Although the day feels like it's been a decade, we're making it through. And after this, Good. I'm going to take a insanely fat nap for it. So the recommended sleep. eight hours. So, yeah, you can sleep. Sleep, so sleep. <laughs> so what's new? What? Why don't you update us and the listeners on uh, what what you've been doing at camp since the last time we discussed um camp on the pod? Um. Five-year-olds are exhausting. Yeah? Ex- yeah. yeah. Very. Yeah, that's it, I guess. <laughs> they're, they're, they're great when they're good, but when they don't listen, they are just a thorn in the side because they don't understand that. Like, they don't have the common understanding of, like, listen. So they'll just not listen. And it is a grind. It is a grind. It. I should be getting paid more. Um not complaining about how much I'm getting paid, but like five rules are not a to complain that you're pony. not getting paid enough to deal with them, but I'm going to complain about the, the amount that I get to deal with them. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's a he, he's, not, he's not saying he's not getting paid enough. He's just saying he thinks he should, he should get, he should get paid more. It's not like I they're like, that's, that's completely zero sense. What I just said. That really wow. doesn't, as you can <laughs> tell, my brain is fried right now because of a calc exam and that. So I'm five year old. I'm pooped. Yep, I'm pooped. But like, have you been the taking summer school through? Uh, have you been taking summer school through U of I, or have you been doing it through um, Oakland, Oakton? Uh, I don't know any schools in Oak, Oakland, but yeah, I've been taking a summer class online with Oakton. Got it. And and it's buzzing. I'm at an 83, so we're just trying to hang on tight. Still yeah, pass. Is that, you, uh, is that just something you wanted to get out of the way so that you didn't have to take a freshman year and kind of? set yourself up a little more to get on the track that you want to go down? Yeah, a lot of engineers or a lot of people that applied to engineering had were taking calculus when I was a senior, so I had to make sure I was up to speed with them because I felt like that was a big hole in my application to a lot of schools, so right, wanted to get it down. You took, you took pre-calc and high, it, 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 I think it's Goes without saying, pre-calc is the hardest math class at the school that we went to. Is this yep. easier or harder? Like, college level aside, is the stuff you're doing easier or harder than pre-calc? I'd say it's easier, but it's harder in the sense that with only 22 questions on an exam that weighs your grade a lot, you can't really mess up that much. Right. Like, you mess up. You get Even if you get, like, a little bit off on each section... And it told you get like, like five, five or six question wiggle room, which isn't ideal. Five five questions down, you're ready. Six five six questions down, you're ready at like a mid to low C. Yeah. So like you 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 really have to make sure that you're doing like 
you can miss a point off on like a few things or a section off like a third of a point, but it'll still total by the time it totals up, it could be like minus six, and that could be the reason. Like you may have not gotten a single question all wrong, but if you get a bunch of little snippets wrong, then you're like right. so it, it's it's hard in, it's hard in that sense. Um, but it's not it's not I wouldn't say it's difficult to understand. But then again, pre-calc, I understood pretty well. Pre-calc, I got an A both semesters. I, granted, yeah, the, I, I, I obviously did. second semester was um, cut I off. I very but, much did get an A both semesters. Oh, we, we, are well <laughs> we are well aware. Math is not necessarily my strong student. In a game where if I want to sound intelligent, I have to look at math uh, to talk compare two players or uh, numbers to compare two players, that isn't necessarily the best thing or the... I'm not necessarily proud of the fact that uh, that's the case, but math is overrated anyways, and I think I saved myself a headache. And I I don't even think I have to take it uh, at all over the next four years just because I think I knocked off a requirement because of of a test score. But yeah, math is overrated. Moral of the story. So uh, anyone listening out there uh, debating doing your math homework, (laughs) don't. Don't (laughs) Don't do it. We got a journalist and two engineers in this. Pod on this crew. Yeah. I'd Very say much not uh, important, but I'm a little bit biased. Yeah. Anyway, speaking the of the day that I hear Chuck Todd on a, a Meet the Press Sunday mornings uh, start talking about the politics behind uh, pre-calculus, I think I might reconsider taking math. But until that happens, <laughs> Noah, why don't you run us down the list of what happened? So, speaking of math and numbers... It's been a bit since I've thrown it over to you like that. Exactly. We've got two things. Logan can count that high. We have to keep our numbers low so Logan can count that high. We've got two two things to do for you guys to talk about with you guys today. Housekeeping and some other little news segments. And then we're going to run down the trophy finalists. No huge surprises. Excuse me. No huge surprises. But there are some uh, little things we want to talk about and discuss. You know, like we always do. But first, yeah. more numbers. Out of 2,618 tests uh, in Phase 3, 800 of those being players, there were only two positive tests. These that are in the huge. first five days as well. Of course. That's uh, huge. And the, like and that, the, NBA, that is... the NBA had zero positive tests out of a number I don't recall, but it was just as large would be my I, I think it was but like two positive near tests a thousand. Huge, like you said. I want to say it was like near 1,000 for the NBA. Test or people tested. No, people tested would be people that got tested would be like five hundred, in my okay. opinion. If you tested every NBA player once, it'd be around five hundred. I feel like because you have twenty-two teams, I believe. Twenty-two teams. Team. Let's call it fifteen guys a roster. So you have Noah. Do the math. I'm, uh, I'm gonna leave this up to you guys. So you have like, like three hundred thirty players and then you have coaches assistants I, yeah, i'd say that's close to like 500 600, 500, 600 yeah. yeah probably somewhere around there. yeah anyway it's two tests out of over two positive cases out of over two thousand tests when those people are going to be quarantined immediately obviously and anybody around them is likely also going to be quarantined or isolated or staying away from other people as best as possible that two out of two thousand is really really good especially as we're moving into phase three where there's going to be a lot of Phase close four. contact. Or mo- yeah, as, as we're like... We're yeah. six days Matching. out. We're six days out from uh, teams moving into the bubble. Yeah. Big right? If there, been like, 
if there had been a couple hundred tests, uh, I would have been pretty worried, honestly. Uh, but now that there's only two, I'm not worried in the slightest. There will be, there's been, there's been a lot of news of players leaving the ice early for training camp or from practice or training camp. I don't think there needs to be any concern that, oh, this star player has COVID. Oh, these nine players have COVID. It's most of the stuff is going to be precautionary, right? Like, oh, maybe they got news that they were exposed to it, you know, a week ago or two days ago. And that yeah. player had tested positive or they like just, you know, felt a little pull or something like that. And like the instant any player feels the slightest bit of discomfort, they're leaving the ice. Like that's just like these players haven't like these players haven't done like, you know, hard work on the ice for a hundred plus days. So right, stuff is yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Like Sidney it's, Crosby left the ice of like, I believe today or a day or two ago. And a couple days ago. Yeah. Just like a little tweak or yeah, precautionary reasons. Obviously, Jonathan Taze left the ice today after a few drills, so hopefully he's finding may have tweaked something. Pasternak and Kasha, as we know, came back from the Czech Republic, and they I, I know Pasternak for sure was near someone or had contact with someone who tested positive, so he's obviously yeah. still like he he's likely not one of the two positive cases. It's it's so random to start assuming who those two are because it really could be anyone. But something to look out for. Um, but I think the big thing that is bothering a lot of people, like I personally don't care that I know if someone's injured or if someone has COVID because that's just one less thing to talk about, right? Like when we go on the show – what. And we used to do the live shows in uh, the WGBK radio station at school. You know, a lot of our stuff would just be so and so is out for two weeks. Here's how it affects them. I really don't like it. It gets tedious and boring. Like when we're talking about news in the, you know, leading up to the playoffs, when majority of the news is so and so tweaked their left shoulder and will be out for a day. So personally, I don't think it's a bad thing that it's still under wraps. And it keeps players like it keeps the media off players' chests, Steve Simmons. But you know, <laughs> exactly. it just it makes sense. Well, it just shows overall to how well of a job the NHL is doing and the NBA as well. I know I praise the NHL. This is my tangent too. NHL, great job so far. Keep it going. But yeah, every the show. NHL and NBA are doing. You've got to get job. it every show. It's good luck. Exactly. This won't be as long though. But the NHL and the NBA have been doing a great job of getting all these tests through, getting the results back in a timely fashion, and then going from there. And overall, it's been a great job on both. Obviously, the NBA is in the bubble right now, but the fact that they have zero cases or positive tests at the moment is great. And then you have the NHL, who's not in the bubble yet, but still, you're in camps. Who knows what you're doing? You're not officially in the bubble. And if you only have two positive tests out of... Almost Out of the bubble, thousand positive like, tests. It's full. It's foolproof, basically. Not foolproof the way that they're testing, but it's a good sign that it's a very players are taking sign, it yeah. seriously. They understand where they're going, what they need to do. It, the That's what I like, sense. honestly, the most is that players aren't just like I didn't think this would happen, but you know, it's possible that players are like oh, you know, oh, this is like kind of serious, but we're not in the bubble yet, so it's not that big of a deal. I'm glad that. This, it seems like players are like dead serious and like locked in that they that they're like, oh, I kn- I know this could seriously affect my team and me, obviously and the people around me. So I'm gonna like 
you know, try my hardest and stay away from other people, quarantine, whatever they need to do to get themselves ready for the playoffs and so they can actually play in the playoffs. Yeah. So that's pretty obviously, good. obviously, it's kind of annoying when a team like the Bruins that I personally think will win the cup is having all these guys that are just labeled with that, like, not unfit able to, to play, unfit to play, yeah. unfit to practice. And I'm like, like, just, just tell me, like, if it's for, I don't care if it's for precautionary reasons. Yeah. I kind of want to know. That's the big thing. There's closure. Like the, the fans yeah. and the media for that matter want closure just cause like it keeps everyone. So not like on edge, but yeah. I'd I be pretty on edge if I was a Bruins fan. Well, personally, I just like think, I like to like, I don't want you leading me into it. I want you to just cut to the chase and tell me, like, I'm not the kind of person that likes, like, I love plot twists, but like you, you, you can don't only like drag it on for so long. Like, let's cut to the chase and at least tell me what's going on. It'd be Are you not a big surprise the... guy? Why? Are you not like big into surprises? Not really. No. Oh. I don't like duly it. Noted, duly noted for your next birthday. <laughs> it's a good thing you guys have eleven months. You have eleven you months to plan that. Yeah. Honestly, I think that if if the media was like if uh, the NHL allowed the media to be like, oh, to just like say who is out for what reason, which they're not obviously, and they were still doing things like this, and they're just farming clicks, they're just farming, uh, they're just like trying to get as much attention as possible, and they would actually reveal. But I think since it's not really the media's fault, since they can't disclose much, right? Um, so, like, it's not really their fault, but it's you're right. It's still kind of annoying. We're like, oh god, Jonathan Taves left the ice. I'm terrified. I'm like scared. Corey Crawford still isn't back in the ice. What's going on? Like the media can't say, but it just feels frustrating because like you would all in like normal circumstances, you would always know pretty much everything that's going on. Right. I mean, it's just different. Like it's something to get used to. And if this is something that start of next season, like this is why the way that we're uh, the NHL is handling it needs to work and they shouldn't cancel because they need to see if this is a successful way to run the league because come December, because you guys know the timetable, it's a pretty short timetable between the the present presentation of the Stanley Cup, the draft happening over the two or three days that it's happening, and then we have like a maybe a month or so long break where there's free agency and uh, yeah, the free draft, agency, you have though. all that stuff. Free the draft, yeah. In like a month and a half, and then November comes around and we're back in training camp starting December 1st with the regular season. It's going to be crazy for a free, like think about a free agent winning the cup or a, a pending free agent winning the cup, decides to leave to get more money, and then needs to, has that time, that free agency period, signs with the new team, has like a month to relax. And then they need to start off chemistry, all that stuff, and then get right back on. But that's, like, what, just, but that's why they need to have it work, because if, if the bubbles don't work now, then they need to take the time. Exactly. They, they need to take the time that, you know, to, as to much rehash. as I, as much as I yep. don't want this to happen, but I, like, I don't want this to happen. But it's better if it happens, if something happens, and we get it shut down now than later. That's true. As much as I'd like the season to finish out, I'd rather have the start of the next season still be good to go than this. And it's also, as you mentioned, Logan, like it's just to test it out too. See what works, what doesn't work. Overall, I think that things are working for both the NBA and NHL. Baseball, I feel like, is working so far ever since the players 
association, like that little Agreed, battle. Yeah. But other than that, like sports MLS seems like it's rolling too. So sports seem like they're picking up pretty well. But well, of course, there's one little thing, and then there's a whole domino effect. So yeah, we'll see. One little thing I want to talk. Well, actually, two little things I want to talk about. First is that Max Domi is back on the ice practicing with the Montreal Canadiens. That's a great Go sign. Ahead. Yes, that's a great sign. We were. So- Here's what I want to say about that real quick, though, Noah. Here's what I want to say about that. That does not by any means mean that he's going to play. He still has to get cleared out by the doctors, the the league-approved doctors. And even then, the league, whoever is insuring the the league safety with COVID, might not want to take the risk. They might deem it unsafe and uh, unnecessary for the league to take the risk of having Luke Coonan, Max Domi, Capocacco, in the bubble, regardless of how we're, however safe the league is going to practice in the bubble, it's still a danger. It's still there's still so many what ifs that the league exactly. can't necessarily uh, you know deal with that they might deem it as not something they want to venture in. And yeah. Domi will play, but it's still a good thing to see him playing. It's still it, a good thing to see him practice. But Logan, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and then there's also the thing too is the fact that at the moment I'm knocking on wood as I say this. There's only two positive tests from two weeks ago or from a week out. So there's still like, yes, there's still people that will test positive, but the fact that they're already down to two cases, like barring anything crazy happening, I'm not going to let again. Like there's a yeah. solid chance that Domi, Kako, Kunin, they'll be good to play. They'll be good to go, which is huge for a team like Montreal, who if they lose a guy like Max Domi, they're, they're already not going to be Pittsburgh, but that just... They're already just, in a tough position. They'll put a nail in a coffin for them. Because I, I personally believe Carey Price can win a game, but I can't see him winning a Carey series. Carey Price can steal a game, but... Uh, so, real quick, ha- have you guys been seeing the footage of uh, Yami, Esperi Kokaniami, firing shots from the right dot? Yeah, and nailing, nailing one of his boys in the face? That was Shea no, Weber. No, that was Shea Weber. Oh, that was Shea Weber. Yes, Barry Cook. Oh, it was a Shea like Weber slap shot. Yeah. That was scary, by the way. Like, you know, he's okay. The goal. Really I scary. forget who it was. But uh, it was not Carrie Price. It was a video. You seen the videos? Yes, Barry Cook yeah. in Miami is just rifling shots. Like, he is completely revamped the way that his shot is. And I would not be surprised if, you know, he makes the right dot his office in a similar way no. that Obi makes the top top of the circle his office it's kind of weird too because you think about a lot of the players with insane shots and a solid amount of them are overseas you have patrick line you now have the pasta shot obviously Obi's office you have kucherov stamkos if kucherov, you want to put him in line there. as i probably said line a again Kane's yeah. like kane and eichel are probably the two american-born players and then obviously you have shea weber up in canada but even then patrick Subban. kane's shot isn't like the 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 pinnacle of his game jack eichel shot the pinnacle of his game right like no exactly his well, Kane's, if you want to say shot pinnacle is american players i'd have to say austin matthews yeah matthews, austin matthews shot yeah i think the two best american shots are matthews and eichel and then there really isn't anyone good from america Canadian, yeah like can can is a good Weber. shot but it's not like the playmaking i i'm going Kane to take jack insane. eichel's i'm taking jack eichel's shot over patrick kane's shot every time yeah, but Patrick Kane yes. is really like almost any other category is exactly would win. But yes, shot wise, yeah. But anyway, uh, real quick, real quick, 
before oh, we get oh. into yeah real sure. quick before we get into our trophy finalists because i want to save some time for that uh moving to a completely different topic about the broadcast that there might be might might keyword might might be a five second delay um to uh monitor playoff language if you're john tortorello you do not care at all torts doesn't care for language he <laughs> He swore in the sentence, but I like to keep this not explicit, so we'll leave it at that. But I think this is like why it makes sense. So here's here's the thing, right? The players, we uh, uh, Jason, when when we had Jason Martinez on the podcast, go ahead check it out, episode twenty eight, really good episode. Uh, when Jason Martinez was on the podcast, he told us that it's a lo- it's a legal liability for teams and players to be mic'd up and be heard on the ice at all times because. It's going to get a lot worse than saying that, hey, nice turtleneck there, buddy. And significantly <laughs> not Vulcan, yeah. that uh, on the ice, especially during the playoffs in a playoff do-or-die setting, right? Like, a lot worse things are going to be said. Especially, I would not be surprised if during, like, a normal playoff game with tons of fans that we don't hear it on the ice because everything else is just drowning out the normal chatter on the ice when players are neck and neck, shoulder to shoulder. I would not be surprised if we heard a lot of things like Brendan Leipzig said happening, you know, toss between two players casually, right? Like, you don't want that being the league's image. You don't want that being the player's image, especially today. So it's a legal liability, and it makes the most sense to try and mitigate as much disaster happening, having the five-second delay. A lot of people are saying, uh, you know, sounding off about it. Why not just make, you know, put a viewer discretion thing or put... uh, make a pay-per-view broadcast, kind of like I suggested to Jason. It's still a legal thing, right? Not a lot of players yeah. are still going to want the opportunity to be heard in a pay-per-view setting, right? Like The problem it, comes when, like, if you, if you only have a five-second delay, right, or even, like, a 10- or 15-second delay, like, it's going to be automated, right? Like, you're not going to have a guy sitting, watching the feed, going, oh, that's where I'm cutting that out. Oh, that's not appropriate. I'm cutting that out. It's no, so, be automated, so right? here's how it's working, right? So the, the world feed to the... Uh, production truck that's putting out whatever whether it's a national game or regional broadcast the world feed from the rink is getting sent five seconds on a five second delay just so that whether it's the technical director in the truck or uh, whoever it happens to be if they hear something that probably shouldn't be heard or something that uh, you know shouldn't be on the broadcast they can quickly cut the sound out or whatever they need to do to adjust for it real time so we're not getting you know, the, we aren't noticing it, but the people in the truck, yeah. there's yeah. going to be someone in the production truck. There has to be in my, it, it, just knowing how production trucks work. There should be someone uh, receiving the world feed uh, next to the audio guy, making sure maybe it is the audio engineer making sure that if some, you know, an expletive uh, from some player uh, after a goal is scored or uh, after a puck is stopped, whatever it happens to be is heard, they can just quickly mute the mic or mute the closest audio channel, whatever they have to do to keep the broadcast and uh, airwaves as clean as possible. It makes sense. Interesting. Broadcasting yeah. kit. Logan Rosengard. That's actually interesting. I thought there would Not be something like yeah. automated system like where you would like basically almost like a like a kind of like, that, like thing where like like if you hear like a like it's a buzzword. Like if you hear yeah, exactly buzzword or anything close to it, there's just a bleep or a mute. Right. Exactly, I feel like exactly, that's exactly. the thing is, I don't think in the time frame that they've been given it, you have to account for so much. And yeah, like there's really only 
10 or so words, right? Like yeah, 10 or so get, like, words that you really need to worry about. But there's so many things that you can say without saying any major right. expletives that are significantly worse. Right. That's what I, that's like, what I was that's what I was getting at, right? Like if you're if you're saying, you know, I'll use Brendan Leipzig as an example. If he used even those like even those phrases without swear words, those are still like not that's not stuff you want to air. That doesn't look good for whatever for reason. NHL. Someone gets complete like terribly racially charged at I don't know uh, Wayne Simmons if he was still on the Flyers. I forgot where's Wayne Simmons playing. Now? He's in Nashville. Buffalo. Or do you use Malcolm Subban? Malcolm Subban. If, if Malcolm Subban, right? if Malcolm like, Subban cards, yeah. You you can't like account for every little thing. So you have to have that five second delay manually. You have to manually account for it in the truck. That's that's what I think is gonna happen. That's why it makes the most sense to me because there is not enough time to properly program a uh, an AI bot or something that goes into the audio system in the rinks and in the in the production trucks to just automatically do it. And there's so much room for error if that is the case. Right. Like it's a dangerous game because you miss one yeah. thing and then the whole production is screwed. The whole league is under fire. Right. Yep. It makes sense. It just, it just depends on what's the one thing that slips by. But I'm sure if there's like one thing that slips, it won't be too big of a deal, depending obviously on what it is. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I want- agree with you guys about the whole thing. I think it's really smart that they have it going because if you've ever watched, videos of just Drew Doughty chirping, you know very well that the chirps get intense, and especially in the playoffs, as we mentioned a show or two ago, players say a lot of crazy things that they never would mean to other I've said some the terrible things in, at a high school hockey game. I, I'm uh, Story time. Uh, this is the SHL playoffs. I think, no, both you, you and Rafi were there. Uh, this was the Last game between Glenbrook North and uh, Loyola in the SHL playoffs. Uh, I think this I was game there, yeah. It was at our own rink. It was after a V-show practice. Yes, it was yes. snowing that night. Yep. Uh, uh, it, it, I, th- this is just the nature of w- what I did anyways whenever I went to a high school hockey game. Just because as long as I'm not like saying you know going over the glass or jumping into this uh into the penalty box to say it and i'm just yelling it from my seat i didn't think there was much of a problem with it i don't think the you know the security guards or the yellow jackets uh that were manning the crowds really cared because it's high school hockey What what do you want us to do not be that not say those things but i would say some pretty terrible things specifically for loyola academy is a catholic uh, private school in the area, right? It's Catholic, right? Yes. I, th- I think because they, I'm pretty sure Loyola yes, participated in the Catholic. Yes, they're, yep, yep, but, yes, they're Catholic. Uh, I, I, the puck drop, puck drop was uh, at the closest dot to the glass where we, where the student section was, and this, uh, this is one of the many things that I would say to players in front of us. I'd be like, hey, 77. Who is your favorite excommunicated pope? Like I, I, you know, kind of, kind of insinuating the whole, uh, you know, uh, Catholic oh, church, yeah, yeah, priest boy, scandal, whatever. Exactly. And I would just insinuate stuff like that, you know. And it, I can get away with it at a high school game. Professional players can't get away with it at the pro level, but bad things happen on the ice. <laughs> 
is the it's, moral of the story. It's what we talked about with uh, Jason Martinez. Like players will do anything they they can do to win. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even if they'll, they'll, they'll give their team the extra edge. Exactly. Yeah. Like obviously, if this is like a normal setting, you have someone calling someone else like a bunch of random, really rude, derogatory names. Like that's kind of that's not okay at all. But that's what I was getting at. Like under a normal setting, if Claude Giroux went up to Artemi Panarin, uh, you know, and and had something along and said something along the lines of, uh, you know, uh, what player are you throwing in the gulag tomorrow, Yakami? Something like that, right? Yeah, like no one we would might want. Yeah, no one would want like a person to like do that and just say a bunch of stuff like that because that's just granted. That's probably the cleanest thing that would be said. And yeah, that's that is true. funny too. It's also a pretty creative chirp, if you ask me. But by the way, I, it's I, still I, not. <laughs> it's still not like okay that they're saying these things. By the way, it's still not. It's still not right. It's still not. Well, yeah. We're not condoning of stuff like that, obviously. But it doesn't. We're not. We're saying it's not good, but we're also saying that it will happen. And having that on the air. It's not the worst thing. It's not the worst thing that I think we all think that they will say even worse things. And having having that. As we said, in a normal scenario, you don't. You shouldn't be saying that kind of stuff, even if it's the basis stuff, even if it's the more okay less like terrible stuff you should, PC, you should to put it bluntly yeah you still shouldn't be calling people that regardless on a normal basis but to we take digress. It to the, yeah yeah it will I, happen I, and it's bad for the league if it does happen and it's being broadcasted to millions of people they will get they will get complaints they will get they will get backlash for it so real quick before happen, we get into the trophy finalist but, thing uh you know, we, we it it looks like there there was a rumor that Yari was starting over Murray. That's not what I want to talk about. Yari Yari starting over Murray. We, we you know we kind of sounded off on that uh, in the in the last podcast or two podcasts ago when we talked about the goalie situations for a couple of teams. The Blackhawks are in a bit of a goalie situation themselves. They got Malcolm Subban and then one of Delia or Lankinen. If Crawford yeah, is still on this is, play, whatever the reason is. Uh, uh, w- it's How not are you a guys fun one, though. Right now. How are you guys feeling about the tandem of Malcolm Subban and either Delia or Lankinen right now? Because that I seems like, to be the trend. I, f- I feel like a clown. I feel like a clown. Because I was the first person to hop on the Blackhawks was going to beat the Oilers in five wagon. And this happened. And now I feel like I am a clown. Because that if there's, if there's no Crawford, there's no chance the Blackhawks win in five. I don't believe that now. I'm going to go back on my previous sentiments real quick and say this. I've been watching a lot of the footage from practice. I watched the uh, Twitch streams of the Blackhawks scrimmages. Malcolm Subban, I've said it before. If any organization is going to turn him into an NHL-ready goaltender and a reliable backup and someone that you can rely on to start a couple games here and there, the Blackhawks are their organization to do it. This is the time that he needs. He's an RFA. He's in a contract year. Traditionally, players do better in their contract year. Right? Traditionally, players are doing better in their contract year. He is. He technically is owned by the Blackhawks. His rights are owned by the Blackhawks unless he unless he gets traded. If he wants a spot on the team, 
he needs to really dig deep in him. And he looks like he, he's been, you know, keeping himself in tune, tuning his game a little bit to do that and prove on the ice, win or lose in this Edmonton series, that he is valuable to the Blackhawks. Colin Delia and Kevin, more so Delia, is the de facto next in line just based on previous seasons of his development. He is next in line to be the Blackhawks goalie, or it is shaping up to be like that right now. He is their next organically grown goaltender. However, Malcolm Subban can still be the backup if he proves it this series, and I really think he can. I don't trust him 100% like I would Crawford, and even then, I don't trust Crawford 100% just based on his age and based on his injury history. But I do think Malcolm Subban has it in him. And I really am starting to trust him more and more as the days go on and his practice gets more and more intense and as things get closer and closer to that exhibition game against St. Louis and August 1st puck drop against Edmonton. I think it's really gonna it's really gonna come down to, in my opinion, and then Noah, you can make your comment as well and throw yeah. in your two cents. It's really gonna come down to how the defense and offense performs. And obviously that that's a Booger McFarland quote. Obviously you need your offense and defense to play good if you want to win a game. But this is like a new, even better version of how the Blackhawks offense. You need Doc to take that big step that a lot of people are talking about that he's been taking. You need to bring it. You need Strom. You need them to all step up and all have a bounce back right now because the regular season was fine, but it could be better. And then defensive-wise, you need that core to play well. If the core isn't doing well, the Blackhawks have no chance. You, you can't leave... You can leave Crawford kind of out to dry, and he can help you out. Laner, you definitely, and Laner would help so much, but he's gone. Malcolm Subban, although I do trust him, I just don't feel like he's the guy that's going to be able to stand on his head with the kind of defense that we've had the last season. Here's the thing about here's the thing about Subban and newer goaltenders in general. The Crawford has playoff experience. We've said it before a hundred times. I trust Crawford. Pretty much just about anywhere with uh, in like a playoff series and regular game series and regular regular game series regular regular uh, regular season game. I trust Crawford a lot. Subban, I trust if he's performing well, but there's a huge difference. There's a huge jump between a training camp scrimmage to a regular season game, and there's a huge jump between a regular season game and a postseason game. So that like that type of pressure, especially from you know, if we were playing, I don't know, if we were playing, I know they're not, in, they're not in our conference, but if we're playing Montreal, I'm not as worried about Subban starting this series, right? Because Montreal doesn't have, like, lethal threats on offense. Like, they're, they're not great. But we're playing, we're playing with the best player. We're playing against Dreisaitl and McDavid, who are probably, who are the best duo in the we're league. We're playing against the league's most electric offense. We're playing against a possible heart winner, the likely Ted Lindsay winner, and a heart and someone who's top f- another top five in heart voting. I think another top five in Ted Lindsay voting. Yeah, that's really scary. Like I said, I don't really trust Crawford against these guys. I'm not trusting Malcolm Subban in a playoff series against these guys. Could he prove himself in the series and, and show Blackhawks fans that he's not as bad as we think he is? Sure. Do I think he's going to win us a game? Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I really think it's going to come down to having the Blackhawks step up. And even if they're able to get McDavid and Drysaddle somehow off their game a night or 
just shut down the power play, limit the amount of penalties they're taking. Because we all know Edmonton's power play was first in the league, almost scoring one out of every three power plays they had. You, you need to limit. You can't. It's one of those things. You can't stop Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisler. You can't shut them down, but you can limit them. And that's what the Blackhawks are going to have to do. Whatever defense they have, they need to do their best to slow down McDavid and Dreisel at all costs. And if they just let them loose, if they have a field day, then there's no way the Black They can get into a huge scoring battle, but I can still, I'll still take Edmonton in that just because of the pure fact that they have Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. I love. I think the Blackhawks win every other matchup. Maybe defense Edmonton wins a bit more. But if Crawford's starting, I think the Blackhawks basically win almost every other aspect. The penalty kill was really good, too, this season. So it's yeah. going to come down to whether or not the Blackhawks' defense is able to limit Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on 5-on-5 hockey. Yep. We digress. Speaking of awards and people winning awards, we have all the finalists for the trophies, for the major trophies anyway, have been announced except for the Hawks. For the hearts, that is the one where we do not know the finalists. There was a rumor that Drysaddle finished top two in heart voting. Wow, I'm shocked. I'm shocked he's finished top. Two. I don't, I'm not shocked at all. So, I think that's, not, won. that's not that's not really a surprise to anybody. It's not really great news. We kind of already figured it out. But focusing on the stuff we do know, let's I'm not going to run down the list. We can go down each of these, uh, and we can talk about you know who is who's likely to win. Like I said in the intro, there aren't any huge surprises. Let's start with the Norris. Uh, we got Roman Carl- Yossi. Yep, Carlson, Yossi, and Hedman. I don't think there are many Roman surprises. Yossi. This is not as much as a two-horse race as as the Calder is, or maybe as the uh, Vesna is. But this is still kind of a two-horse race between Carlson and Yossi. Carlson, I th- as I've said this so many times. The, he's a great defenseman on defense, obviously, because that's what defensemen should be doing. But offensively, he was outstanding. As I said, he's top if he's a. This is the second. He's on pace for the second or best season from a defenseman since the 1993-94 season offensively, which is just. Abs- I'm not saying you just base it off the points, right? But if you're, that is something that's hard to come by, though. By all means. My, my thing about this, and this is why I genuinely think in the very, not even in the very near future, this is why I'm a firm believer that Jacob Slavin will win two Norrises in his career. I don't, I, I, I hate the sentiment that the uh, Hockey Writers Association or whichever organization votes on the Norris, I'm pretty sure it's the Hockey Writers Association, uh, points seem to matter more than they should. And you got to remember that this is it, it, uh, let me pull up the uh, proper language real quick. Uh, the James Norris Memorial Trophy is awarded annually to the National Hockey League's top defense player who demonstrates throughout the season the greatest all-around ability in the position. Right? So that's that includes points, obviously. That includes points, well, but I, I feel like every I, season the best point winner always seems to be getting the top two votes, or always seems to be winning it, which doesn't make sense to me. I agree with you. I, I am going to there's... take Roman Yossi. Don't get me wrong. Roman Yossi scores a lot of points, but Roman Yossi's defensive ability trumps 
uh, Carlson's, and so does Slavin's, as well as a handful of other defensemen in the league. And I just, like, Carl, I don't know. Maybe this is just my car- my Canes bias and just my kind of not everything's about points bias showing, but I really don't think, based on points alone, you can say that Carlson is winning the Norris. Like, I agree with you. Like, I I do agree with you. This season, better all around, defensively, offensively, off of the puck, on the puck, creating space, whatever it is, was better than Carlson. I don't think Uh, there's a lot, there's room, but not a lot of room to argue that. I do agree with you on the point that shutdown, pure shutdown defensemen like Jacob Slavin are heavily disrespected when it comes to the Norris, like, ballot. And you do see a lot of the top three getting some pretty high point totals. But still, you have to determine, like, you have to, there's that line where it's like, is he that much better? Does his defense, like, I feel like you do need some sort of points. So, like, I'm not saying Jacob Slavin didn't produce this season offensively, but if you're a shutdown, a pure shutdown defenseman, putting up 60, even 60 points, I'd say that's good enough to win the Norris. But as I said, this is one of those seasons, too, where history was going to be made by John Carlson had he stayed healthy. And it's just one of those things where you, it's really hard to ignore a player that was going to possibly be, who was likely on pace, who was on pace, as I said, to be have the second most or most points by defensemen since the 93-94 season. So I, I, it's kind of hard to make that argument this season. But I do agree with you, Logan, in the fact that a lot of those shutdown defensemen so type here, players my, are disrespected. Here's my question for you, then. Between the three of them, because I, 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 as much as I love Roman Yossi this season, and I, I would you know, vote for him usually as a top three candidate uh, in, in Norris votes almost every season. Do, do you think Yossi or Carlson or Hedman, for that matter, had a better season? Because that, that's really what the trophy is. Which defensive player of the finalists or whatever the heck the voting, the voting re- uh, recipients are, um, which of the three had the best season? That one answer, no explanation, just which of the three had the best an- season? John Carlson. If we're talking about all around, if we're talking about all around, I'd say John Carlson because... Yes, Yossi's better. Yossi's better defensively, and I know you didn't want an explanation, but I'm giving you one. Anyway. No, right, right, right. That's fine. Like Yossi <laughs> is better defensively. I will agree with that. Hadman, I'm leaving out of this conversation. I think the top two are pretty clear in Carlson and Yossi. Yeah, Yossi is a better defenseman than Carlson, but Carlson's it, it as as the Norris is. It's all around defense, which includes offensive production, in my opinion. And Carlson's offensive production this season outweighs Yossi's defense that he's better than Carlson at, in my opinion. Does that mean I'd rather have John Carlson on my team than Roman Yossi? Not really. I'd rather I'd say Roman I'd like Roman Yossi on my team a bit more than John Carlson. But in the ter- if I if I had a defenseman this season and they produce the same amount of points, play the same defense, I I'd take John Carlson this season. Here's the thing with like defensemen, right? Is that it's really easy for someone to look at a forward and say they've scored this many goals, they've created this many points, they've had they have this many assists. That's like really easy to see how many 
how much they're contributing to their team, right? Because uh, they're they're like it's really easy it's really easy to see how much they're contributing to their team. But for defense, it's hard to say. Like it's easy to say, well, they've got this many points and they scored this many goals and that helped their team in this way. But it's hard to say. Well, they prevented the other team from scoring this many goals. I know there's advanced stats for that, but it's still difficult to say. Um, it's still difficult to say, like this is, this is um, how many, this is how many times they shut down someone else from scoring, and this is how many times the opponents didn't score because of them. Does that make sense? Yeah, and a few things real quick. So, points. So these are some point totals from the last few Norris winners. So you have last year Giordano, who put up 74 points. Then you have Victor Hedman the year before, who put up 63 points. And then after that year, you have Brent Burns, obviously, who, as I've been saying, like John Carlson, this was the season that he had 76 points. So not as good as his season. Yeah, and then you have Drew Dowdy year before, and he put up 51 points. So it's not necessarily – so you can – so I guess there is the argument that Roman Yossi could still win it even though John Carlson was much better offensively. But in my opinion, it's like last year's discussion. Like, could you have given McKinnon the heart last year? I'd say so. Because, Absolutely. But then again, Kucherov put up – that were insane for this decade to be putting up enough 128 points is just unheard of. So it's hard to do. Like if Leon Draisaitl put up, if he hit 120 points, which he's likely going to, but if he hit 120, got close to 130 points, I think it's a no-brainer for Draisaitl to win the Hart Trophy, even if you have Connor McDavid also on your team. But that's not that's not really much of a question, right? Like if you see, just help your team that much, then. See, that's where I am with Carlson, though, because Carlson was just so, like, I feel like if you have a season that is top, like, three in the last, like, 20 years, 25 years, you should likely win the award for whatever award you're in the top three for, in my opinion. I think that just excels you even more. Uh, yeah. Let's kind of let's kind of run down the list real quick before we get into another longer conversation. Selkie, <laughs> Couturier, Bergeron, and O'Reilly. The, you guys know I know I know we didn't want to get into a bit of a stall, but I, as I've said before, I believe Anthony Sorelli should have taken Ryan O'Reilly's spot. Nothing to take away from Ryan O'Reilly, but I do feel like Anthony Sorelli has been disregarded by many, just because, as I said, as Logan, you make the argument like with points. Like, if Sorelli had a 60-point season, Sorelli, in my opinion, would have taken yeah. O'Reilly's spot. I am convinced, though, that in the next five seasons, if Sorelli does have a breakout season or he keeps producing how he is, keeps going on that he'll pace that I'm projecting him at, he'll be top three for sure. His time and will come. I think, yeah. I, think he'll win a Nor- I think he'll win a Selkie in the next five years if he keeps developing the way he is. Yep. The Vesna Trophy, you got Hellebuck, Rask, and Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky is the most overrated goalie in the league. I that genuinely think Ben Bishop, Jacob Markstrom, Robin Lehner, uh that's really it. Could have taken Logan. Vasilevsky's place. Logan, yeah, on I don't that, think on that more, 
I don't think you've ever said a more true statement on the show in your life. This is Vasilevsky is like not good. He's very average. He's maybe a little bit better than average. He, he puts up Lord. fantastic numbers in front of the best he's team in the league. The lightning. I would put up fantastic numbers. So would you say? Team. So would you say Tukarask is worse? I would. I, I, I would. So what? I, I just want to know. I, I wouldn't call I, the defense I though. I wouldn't call. Mm. I personally believe that Tukarask should win the Vesna. But I just want to know from you guys what separates Tuka Rask from Andre Vasilevsky because their defenses are both pretty similar, and obviously the offensive talent is both pretty similar. So I just want to see where you guys draw the line with that. Here's, here's, here's where I draw the line. Vasilevsky has been fine in playoffs. The Tampa Bay Lightning whole have not been great, but Vasilevsky has been fine in the playoffs. Rask has been good. Right? What's this? Rask- I need. I okay. But I'm, I don't have, I don't have this season. But go on. But I will say I don't. I think Ra- I think Vasilevsky is an average goalie based on numbers and seasons. I think I don't think Rask is average, but I think Boston's defense makes him look better. Right? That's not that's not a diss to Rask. That's like pretty much anybody. You put an average goaltender behind a great defense, and they're going to look better. They're a great goal- <laughs> goaltender. <laughs> Peter Morazic. <laughs> and also, like, yeah. look and, at and look also, at. Uh, the Avalanche goalie. I'm blanking on his name right now. Grubauer. Uh, Grubauer. Thank you. He looks. He looks better too. He's an average goalie. He looks better because the Avalanche have a good defense. And I, also, if you just want to look at a purely like base numbers, uh, like a base numbers uh, comparison, a 9.17 save percentage and a 2.56 goals against for Vasilevsky against a 9.29 and a 2.12 goals against. That's the difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Rat- there were significant, the, like I said, Ben Bishop, Jacob Markstrom, Robin Lehner. Uh, you, can you make a case for Thomas Grice or uh, Varlamov? Their, their goal, Varlamov? Probably any of those goalies. Vasilevsky's place on that on those top three, and it would have been a significantly different conversation. But See, I, I, I personally believe, though, that for Vasilevsky. For Vasilevsky being 25, though, I still think some of it's also just the fact that he he's obviously good enough to be a starting constant a start a constant starting goalie for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course. And I would like I don't mean he's not done developing. This is normally when a goalie enters the league or starts getting some playing time, 25 years of age, and he already has a few seasons under his belt. I think he's going to get much better, but. Right now, yeah, I can see the argument that he's just an average goaltender, just above average, and a team like Tampa Bay has really been helping his numbers and just helping him overall. But then again, he's 25. He still has a ton more time left for him. He still, has, I'd say, he still has a good 10, 15 seasons left. You, who knows how good he can become? I like how we're not even talking about the most. Like Vasilevsky is. Vasilevsky is like not even interested. Vasilevsky is not even in the conversation compared to the Rask and Hellybuck. We're not even talking about Hellybuck. I said, I said, well, because we're comparing Raskin. Like we've already talked talking, about him in prior yeah. shows. To the, and to we're the talking point about where, like, Raskin. Just overly redundant. The difference yeah. too is that Raskin and Vassy are on really good teams. So I was just trying to get. That's true. Like that, that thought flowing. But yes, obviously, Connor Hellybuck is a very key, like a very large reason and why I have the Jets making it out of the first round of the playoffs in my prediction. He's the best player on the Jets. I don't think that's I, much of a... I personally think that he definitely deserved 
to be on the hard ballot. I don't think he should have been top three, but he definitely should have been. He definitely should be top. We're gonna five. find out. We're gonna find out the day that the show drops tomorrow. So. Yeah, he should definitely have been top five. I think he should have finished top five. Not to take away from that amazing top six where they have guys like Shifley, Wheeler, Line, Connor. Did I say Ehlers? No. Ehlers. And they have another they, – their center is Adam Lowry or someone, so not as good. But they have five but, other top six who can debatably play first slide for almost any team in the league. Like, right. the offense is amazing, but still, like, the defense – Overall, for the Winnipeg Jets, losing Dustin Bufflin due to some difficult stuff. And then you also lose Justin Truba, who you obviously traded for Neil Pionk in a few picks. Connor Halbrook's on his head this season. It was a, it was a sight to see. And without Connor Halbrook, if you had if Connor Halbrook didn't exist and they had Lauren Brossois stuck as their goalie, there's no way the Jets would be as good or even a threat. I'd say the Blackhawks would have been better than them. It would have been for sure. Rolling Next. down the list, yep. you, you go. got the Masterton, Stephen Johns, Oscar Lindblom, and Bobby Ryan. Not much of a debate. They're all class guys. They all have each a fantastic and deserving story to be nominated and win. I wouldn't be opposed to any of them winning it. Lady Bing, you got Matthews and O'Reilly. Huh? I said that, that the Masterton's kind of like the feel-good trophy. Like you don't really care who wins. You just want like you're you're just happy to see these guys and their incredible stories up there. Like, for you're not you're not gonna argue like oh this player went through this, which is worse than like this player. Exactly. Like, play, like uh, it, yeah, you're not going to Lady Bing. You got McKinnon, Matthews, and O'Reilly. That's basically just to put it simply. Like everyone wants to talk about the Austin Matthews whole uh, encounter with the cop thing from earlier in the season. It it. It really doesn't matter. It's basically the lowest pims is who decides, not like the winner, but basically decides the the top three, and then they kind of go on other character merits on that. Uh, the Jack Adams, you got Bruce Cassidy, John. Wait, can Torrell, we also just can they, we also just take into account too the fact that last year's winner Alexander Barkov had the greatest comment of all time on that stage, <laughs> saying that there's more fans from Finland at the awards than. Panthers fans. God, Rocky just does not miss an opportunity to make fun of Panthers. That was hilarious. That was amazing. That didn't make saying the Wilder mediocre is low-level comedy, but I'm all for it. Yep. <laughs> As I was saying, Jack Adams, Bruce Cassidy from the Bruins, John Tortorella from the from the Columbus Blue Jackets, and Elaine Vigno from Philadelphia Flyers. We've talked about this before. You can definitely make a case uh like Bruce Cassidy is arguably one of the greatest coaching minds. He's able to keep the roster intact, and every season he's been there, he's been deals. a top five team. Uh, that, yeah, that, that's too. not his job. Yeah, I, I know, but there's like, still he, that he's a part of it. Too. He's a part of it. Yeah, exactly. They're all three great coaches. This is, I think, this is the tightest race out of out of any of the uh, um, trophy races. The, the this season. The uh, Jack Adams Trophy was extremely tight, right? There Bruce were, there were five five guys you could have not you could have said make cases that could have easily won it. Bruce Sullivan, Cassidy, John Torella, Elaine Vigneault, Dave Tippett, and Mike Sullivan, right there. Yeah, any of any of those five being nominated in the top three, I wouldn't really complain. No, do I think yeah. Dave Tippett got? Do I think Dave Tippett didn't get the recognition he de- deserves this season? Absolutely. 
but I'm not really going to complain. Bruce Cassidy deserves it, deserves the nod as well as Tortorella and Vigno. But well, for yeah. sure, you're going to have the guy who led his team to the President's Trophy as one of those top guys, unless it was a really tight race, in my opinion, for the President's Trophy. But this season it was really, it was like last season with Tampa. Like, you were obviously going to give. What was the coach of the Lightning? I'm blanking. Oh, whatever his name, whatever his name is, Adams. He was obviously going to John Cooper. John John Cooper. Cooper. There you go. He was obviously going to be top three or possibly win. I don't remember if he won, but he was definitely going to be top three in that because he obviously won the the President's Trophy by a ton. So it makes sense that Bruce Cassidy is one of the top three. I personally, even though I do have a Bruins bias, I think that. Dave Tippett or Mike Sullivan should have been on that ballot as well, but it makes sense when you win the President's Trophy by that much. The Torts. Oh, I love Torts, though. Real quick. I love Torts. I, I think the three of us can agree Tortorella should win it based on the – like, we, we've talked about this. We talked about it at the beginning yeah. of the Wait, season. Wait, who's I'm the one sure. who said that? Who's the one who said that? Uh, I'm blanking. <laughs> who said that? I'm going to take a I, wild guess and say with you, Rafi. I'm going to take a wild guess oh, here. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. What do you know? Okay. Like all of us <laughs> said it, but okay. Uh, all of us. Not true. I said true. I said we'll Sullivan. On. I said Sullivan. Are you but... talking at the beginning of the season, or are we talking recently? Like I've been screaming that from the hilltops the last like few weeks. Okay, so of all of us, uh, that but... is not true. But go on. Okay, John Torres. Said... Yeah, He's a fantastic <laughs> coach. On this supposed to be the seller. Blah blah blah. We've talked about it before. Yeah. Yep. Calder. You got Kubalik, Makar, and Hughes. We've talked about it. Uh, it's a close but race Logan, between Makar and Hughes. But Logan, what about Adam Fox and Nick Suzuki and John Marino? What? Why didn't they Martin get the ball? Martin Nations. Kubelik. Third goal Martin for Nations, yeah. Dominic Kubalik. Yeah, right? like, exactly. I, I'm, I'm very curious to see the voting breakdown for the Calder just because there were so many rookies that there's so many Calder nominees and Calder eligible players that had pretty good seasons in their own right. I very much want to see the voting breakdown for this trophy specifically. Because, don't get me wrong, Dominic Kubelik was awesome. He scored 30 goals. That isn't something that you see a lot from a rookie, especially coming over from Europe. But Adam Fox was dominant in all aspects of his game. Right, Martin Natius came into a deep roster in Carolina and prove that he can play pretty good game regardless of where you put him in the lineup. He's a monumental player to that team and they might not have done as good as they did without him in that lineup in the dynamic that he brings. Nick Suzuki had a pretty good season in Montreal. Uh, who else? Uh, I said Adam Fox. Nacious, as you like to say. John Marino and John Marino was awesome. He is a top four defenseman already. Ethan Bear knows, also a four defenseman already. Alex Nylander. This is Alex Nylander's first technical season too, and he put up twenty six points, which was ninth like, in the NHL. Rather rookie. He hasn't burned off enough games to be considered un- ineligible. But yes. Yeah, but like he also had a good season like, for his first technical, and obviously you have Kirby Doc, as well. Yeah, I think Coops deserves that over Doc. Though I think. We've well, of talked, course, of course. I'm just saying it. Kirby Doc had a good season. Exactly. We've talked about it, but there are a lot of people, a lot of rookies, a lot of Calder eligible people that could have won it, but Kubalik is just... Kubalik deserves the nomination, but like I said before, this is the biggest two-horse race out of any of the trophies. It is literally between Hughes and Makar, and it is just like no one else is even close. 
Yep. Yeah. I'd say, I mean, the crazy thing, too, is McCarr played 11 less games than Quinn Hughes. So, who knows what could have happened if, in those 11 games for Kelman McCarr. That's true. Could have scored like, 40 goals. He was three, so, three points. He was three <laughs> points down on. He was three points down on Quinn Hughes. Who knows? But so it's it's fun to think about that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's crazy. Also, the thing about Jack Hughes with that, all the praise and hype, only putting up twenty one points this season, which obviously, and, of course, and Taco. He's eighteen. Taco like twenty three yeah. with Doc. No, no, no I, Logan. I, I was gonna, I I was gonna get to the, that. Yeah, I hate the. I was, I, I'm the not calling whole... him a bust by any means. No, no, no. I know, I know. I'm not calling him a bust either. But I hate that everyone kind of, like, there are special circumstances. McDavid is, you know, McDavid, Eichel, Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane are like special circumstances, generational talents that you no, really can't compare. But Jack Hughes, as much as he did set the U.S. Uh, national development team record for points, he was playing. He wasn't, you know, playing with grown like he he wasn't playing with grown men and, and yeah. doing the same yeah. thing right that's why uh capper's off next year right he's been playing in the khl he's been playing with grown men and he's putting up the points that he did uh, same with artemia panarin when he stepped into chicago he's been playing in the khl professional uh hockey for a while and they're more ready than jack hughes probably was this season but I'd say Jack Hughes. I'd go on a. I go. I make a bold statement here, and I'd say Jack Hughes goes like closer to four or five this season in this upcoming draft. I just think the talent is just insane this season. Let's also not forget why Jack Hughes wasn't great. He's on the Devils. What are you gonna do when you're on a when you're not on a great team? Like he can't solo. I mean, granted, there was Taylor Hall. You had Taylor Hall for at the start of the season. You had Gusev. You had P.K. Like Subban. Like I think, those it, was a, working, I think right? it was a really bad job executing with the pieces that the New Jersey Devils had. The general manager did a great job assembling those pieces that were supposed to benefit the team. But whoever the coach was, he messed up really badly putting all those pieces together. It was like the Blackhawks last season where nothing was working. And this season, it's like the power play with the Hawks. Like, no matter who was where... Like it just it kept falling apart. It was like building a gingerbread house. The Devils were building a gingerbread house. Literally every time they put it together, it collapsed. They tried building it again, and it collapsed. Like the Devils yep. just couldn't put. I think the Devils had they had a guy like Torts or the guy a guy like Trotz or Sullivan or like a top I... five coach yeah. in the league, I'd say the Devils could have been contenders. Or wait, but was it just... Barry Trotz that won last year? The Jack Adams. I want to think about it. Hold on. Completely. Wait, wait, Rafi. Contenders like playoff contenders or Stanley Cup contenders? Playoff contenders, not Stanley Cup contenders. Those people are nuts. I don't associate myself with them. I'm making sure you're not one of those people. (laughs) Yeah, no, don't don't worry. I will not. I'll be the first person to say I did not think the Devils were going to win the Stanley Cup. I think they're going to make the playoffs. It was Barry Trotz last year. We are. Okay. But. Still, John Cooper, great coach. Going back. Obviously, it was top three, though. Yes. Continue, real quick, though. Real quick, going on the Ted Lindsay, which is basically best regular season performance. My memory does not fail me. Uh, you have Dreisaitl, Panarin, and McKinnon. I don't think this is much of a contest. I think Dreisaitl wins this award. 
10 times out of two. Like he, he had the best regular season, just without a doubt. Was he yep. the most valuable? Was he the most valuable player to his team? That's another discussion. That's what the people voting on the heart need to decide. But he objectively just had a way better missing than literally anybody else in the league. Any other skater in the league, I should say. It's just not even close. Yeah, the point gap is Ted Lindsay is just the players is just the players uh vote. MVP. It's not as important as the heart, but No, definitely not. But it's still it's no, a distinct. It's it's, it's still an honor, right? Like you have your peers and your coworkers basically reaffirming the fact that they think you were the best. Yeah, you're good. You're pretty good, I guess. Yeah. He's not, he's not, he's not, not, the, not bad. Not the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah he's, like, he's not, he's not obviously, the numbers don't lie. As I like to also mention that I got absolutely uh, um, least kaboomed, least. bamboozled <laughs> by. Yeah, everything. Yeah, let astrayed by Leon Dreisaitl. <laughs> 38 yeah. points more than I predicted. I predicted 72 points, I believe. Yeah, and 72. And he had he, a lot. He had 38 and, more points than that. In 60-something games. And the pace he was on, game. he was projected to get 127 points, which is absurd. That- is that I don't remember. Is that more than uh, Kucherov had last year? I don't. One hundred twenty-seven. No, Kucherov put up one hundred twenty-eight. Which oh was, my goodness! Can you imagine the best part? The best part about that too was the fact that the Lightning. They, <laughs> got, got they had one hundred twenty-eight points. <laughs> no, 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 no. That that's hilarious. But they oh. their team had one hundred twenty-eight points, and Kucherov had one hundred twenty-eight points. Yeah, they, Kucherov had as many points as the team like that. And they both valuable player. Like that is just not even a discussion. He was the most yeah. valuable player this year. This year it's a little bit and more. With Samkos being injured too, though, that's the key thing because Samkos yep. arguably is their second best player. It's kind of hard to say talk about the heart when the second best, when the second most points is your, your teammate. Connor McDavid has only thirteen less points than McDavid than than Drysdale. Oh my! Oh my gosh! Like if McDavid was tired, like, dude, it's getting late. McDavid was hurt for like the entire year and he had like, you know, 30 points and Dreisaitl still put up this many. Dreisaitl wins the heart. Like I don't like that comment because McDavid was hurt for only two weeks. Granted, no, I said, no, I said, a lot can happen in two longer. weeks. I know, I know. I know. I'm just saying, yeah. I'm just saying because people are making the argument that like he, two oh, he weeks, was injured. like yeah. let's, yeah. let's say that's like five games like that, especially the way we're trending this season, like there was no way that was going to make or break like a the Pacific Division was arguably the weakest division this season. I so think it was. It was I, I can't think of a weaker division. You can make the argument the Atlantic was, but Boston oh. and Tampa Bay are in the Boston, Atlantic. Boston, Tampa. And Florida's like, not horrible either. Florida's uh, not. Florida's not. Florida's okay, not. Okay, I'm, I'm, one like, to, I'm one to constantly diss the Maple Leafs and make fun of them, but you can't diss the Maple Leafs like that. Exactly. Like, they're, they're just a better – the Atlantic's just a better division. Yeah, but it, it's just hard to really say that. It's hard to say stuff like that, but there's I know for just a pure, It's just hard. To, it's so hard to determine who's the most valuable player. Why uh, that's player not true. Is playing up great true. numbers, but his teammate is second in points. But they're both centers, and then there's they both they both yeah. are insane on the power play. It's so confusing. Sometimes. I can tell you. I can tell you what's not confusing though is who should actually win the heart, and that's Louis Erickson. Artemi Panarin. No, no, the the other guy, Louis Erickson. Louis Erickson. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah a specialist. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if he doesn't win the heart, I'm throwing a fit. So I'll see you guys. That about you guys in timeout. <laughs> wraps it up for this episode of the Puck Talk Live podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, do not forget we post shows Tuesdays and Fridays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor FM. Follow us on Instagram at Puck Talk Live. You can follow myself at LJ Rosengard on Twitter. Rafi, why don't you plug your socials? Rafi as eighty and nineteen. I should really just type this and send it to you, so you just can read it off like that. I have to say that every single time. And again, you're also tired, but I'm extremely tired. Noah, why don't you plug your socials? Noah underscore Foster eighteen on Instagram. By the way. Uh, I was being communicated that I was communicated with that my mic was that my microphone was a bit sketchy during this show. I apologize for that. I will try to fix it for next show. Not exactly sure what the issue is, but figure it out. He's eating some topic. potato chips. Yeah. Back on back on topic. Uh, hit us up with any questions, concerns, comments. Think that Maple Leafs will beat Boston in seven? Yeah, no. But huh. we'll, we'll, discuss, we'll discuss it with you anyway. So anything you want to see on the show, anything no, we're not. On the show, <laughs> no, let us we're know. Not. Why would we? <laughs> no. We, I'm sorry. Leave that to Rafi. I'm sorry. Normally, I don't like to jump into the conclusion, but if you if you say that, I will. We will personally block you. That is. <laughs> that is yeah, crazy. Rafi, that is. Rafi will have that decision. Blame it on Rafi. Uh, like I said, questions, complaints, direct those at Logan or Rafi if it's about Toronto. Uh, nothing my way, please. Thank you very much. That about wraps it up for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. My name is Logan Rosengard. We appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. I know I repeated that twice, but that's okay. It's what I do when I end this show. We will see you guys on Friday at noon central time. We're closer and closer to hockey, guys. Take care.